Okay, so welcome to the first ever episode of the Rooted In podcast. We're very excited. Ava, what do you think? We're really excited. This is something that Kelly and I have been talking about for a really long time. And as a Ferguson's team, we're just really excited to bring you this podcast. And the first guest is... The, the one and only. Incomparable, one and only, Jen Toller, the co-founder and creative strategist of Ferguson's Downtown. Jen, thank you for being here. Thank you both Can we for clap? having me. Let's clap. <laughs> Woo! <coughs> I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to see this come alive. I know you guys have been very excited, passionate, whispering, whispering of a lot. all the thoughts. <laughs> So no, it's, here. Uh, it's exciting, and I'm so honored to be your first guest. Thank you so much. You're we so appreciate it. So we wanted to kick things off with you giving a little bit of who you are, a little bit of your story, a little bit of your background. We have our own questions and agendas that we really are excited to dive into because you've been now doing a lot of media around Ferguson's and sharing your story, but we're going to dive into some stuff that we are personally Excited to learn more about you. Okay. Yeah, so get ready. We're going to talk about all the things. I'm so ready. Perfect. So where are you from? How'd you get here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I am from Texas, born and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, I moved here 10 years ago. Um, yeah, most of my life, again, Houston, Texas, Oak Ridge, you know, that whole little town. Went to college at Texas Tech. I uh, did some internships in LA with some fashion design, um, was my background. So with designers and um, did some retail and buying all throughout college. So when I left, I uh, actually went back to Houston and did some stuff just kind of around there to figure out my next steps. And it's all that commercial of the Zappos with the box where they took it up and took it down and then they were dressed. And I was like, oh, that's weird. What's that? And wanted to get back into buying. Went and looked up Zappos.com, had a little banner in the corner applied at that time like it's on the internet no one's gonna see my resume it's in las vegas didn't really think much so of you were it. in houston at the time mm -hmm. yeah cool. and so got an email hey we want to do a skype interview or yeah i think it was skype i don't know or one of those platforms uh to talk about you know you working at Zappos. Like, okay, cool. actually did an interview and didn't realize at the time that i had applied for 6 p.m which is their sister site yes so, because I, I went to Zappos, there was an assistant buyer position, applied for it. Again, didn't know anything about 6 p.m., nor did I realize I applied for 6 p.m. So, quickly, the person interviewed me. It's like, why did you want to work for 6pm.com? I'm like, oh, my God. Like <laughs> Luckily, it's also online. So, I'm like, you know, and 6pm.com, <laughs> quickly bring oh, it up on oh my, my computer do a quick scan. And I'm like, well, and I feel like I was honest, like, I'm so sorry. Totally thought I was applying for Zappos, but based on what I can see of 6pm.com, it looks like it is a offshoot, you know, discounted, valued site, and I don't even remember what I said. Somehow bullshitted my way through that, um, and I guess impressed my quick on my toes reaction, and somehow got called for a second interview where they flew <laughs> cool. me out to Las Vegas and did a whole day interview with a bunch of people. Um, interesting enough, the budget for 6pm got pulled I think as I was flying up there, so they couldn't actually hire me, but I was able to talk to a bunch of different people, 
on different teams within the Zappos site and mm-hmm. landed on the fashion footwear team. So I worked I worked at Zappos for quite some time and the learned a lot. Fashion footwear team, I love yeah, that. Yeah, fashion footwear. Yeah. So college was uh, Chrome Boutique, which was a really cool kind of um, I don't even know progressive retail. Um, shopping experience and stuff in a very conservative town that a few of us were able to like manage and buy and run, learned a lot, did a uh, kind of fashion collegiate wear. Football obviously is really big in Texas, so um, designed a lot of cool like dresses and tanks and tees for females that went to college games and worked with a lot of our brands that we were buying, which was really cool, and being able to apply my degree, which was also amazing. And uh, yeah, so most of my time was in that. And then actually, eventually, through Zappos, spent time at 6 p.m. So that was kind of funny. That was my last six, eight months was actually on the team of 6pm.com. Yeah. Oh, so full <laughs> helping, circle. Yeah, full circle. Helping to like kind of build that up a little bit more in the fashion footwear department. Um, and then DTP was actually kind of seeding as like this concept and this idea. And um, Tony, who is you know, our business partner and here at Ferguson's, you know, we became good friends early on and we're having dinner and asked me if I would want to, what, what would I want to do if it wasn't at Zappos and if I had an idea and would want to pitch it to DTP, which I did. I've personally would always love to have my own brand and kind of retail shopping experience. And so talked about that. Um, How many years ago was that? DTP by seven, eight so eight, eight years? years ago, you mm-hmm. had that dinner. You talked about wanting to have a brand, a retail experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. with him. And he's like, well, who would you want to do it with a business partner? Because obviously doing stuff in partnership is always better solo. Mm-hmm. So me as a person, I always want to include everyone. Yes, <laughs> so do. instead of just asking one friend, I asked two, uh, which at the time just probably wasn't the best idea with us all working at Zappos and for an idea and a concept that didn't, didn't need like three kind of heavy hitters to say. Um, also very passionate at the time and still very much love the arts district. Um, so at that time, wasn't even sure what the footprint of DTV's mm-hmm. focus was. So location was an ideal. Three of us that worked at Zappos to like leave and take this leap of faith, what we would need to pay ourselves to make it sustainable. Um, kind of went through a lot of conversations, did an awesome pitch. It was super fun. It was a great experience, but didn't make sense. And as that door was closing, I randomly got hit up on LinkedIn from a woman named Sarah Gell from Australia um, who wanted to talk to me about moving there and helping um, a fashion retailer called the iconic um, dot com or dot com dot au or whatever. <laughs> I'm terrible about stuff. Um, and help them. <laughs> we'll fact check yeah, it. We'll fact check that. <laughs> There's a dot au in there. <laughs> I just think it might be the iconic dot au. Um, and so, yeah, so I moved out there, was able to experience living abroad, doing something that I loved and I was passionate about, learned a lot, um, personally grew a lot, just being on the other side of the world, different time zones, um, and then still missed what was happening. Sorry what was happening here because the start of, you know, revitalizing downtown and new businesses and investments were happening. Um, and my friend that I worked with at Zappos was opening a fashion uh, creative space in downtown Las Vegas. So she and I talked and I decided to move back and help her open Stitch Factory, run it, test it, grow That's it. That's I met you. Do all those mm-hmm. things. So I did that for a few years. We dabbled in like a co-working space for designers. We had workshops. 
speaker series, Super manufacturing, cool. like all kinds of stuff, which was really cool to like bring other people from around the world to Las Vegas, hear their stories in the fashion industry to kind of give that back to the community. And they're all like free events, um, learned manufacturing, which was amazing, but definitely hats off to the pros and the people that are doing that. Um, but we found ourselves more really valuable in the design process, um, with brand development and actually picked up life is beautiful as a client. So did a capsule fashion forward collection with them year two, and then did their, all their merch and set up for three, four, and then helped transition year five as my transition to here at Ferguson's. So, so cool. I mean, that's a long-winded. No, that's where perfect. I started, awesome. where I came, where I'm at. <laughs> so, if you saw me writing down notes, I was writing down notes because the beginning of being from Houston, Texas, living, you said you went to school and lived in like a more conservative place, and to be having the courage to do something different and to uh, create a product line and a branding and shopping experience that was more progressive than say the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. What give you the courage to be brave enough to step out and do something that wasn't necessarily the status quo around you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things I think, I mean, if you price roots deeper from family roots and upbringing and not that my parents are progressive, they're not extremely conservative, but my mom's like, Catholic, Mexican, strict growing up, and my dad, Caucasian Jewish man, but um, I think there's just a lot of like growing up and like finding out who you are and them, them supporting that, and more importantly, my parents are very much on, you know, get an education, travel the world, experience things, just because they had us so young. My mom mm -hmm. was 22 with three kids. My dad's wow. six years older than her, um, but th them just trying to figure out who they are and like raise a family um, and necessarily always being in the red until they finally got out of that stage. Um, so I think they were always pushing us to be more. To be courageous and mm -hmm. try new things yeah. and do something that they didn't do. Yeah, my older sister, both my sisters are amazing, um, super dynamic and different. And um, I would contribute to a lot of my curiosity and pushing boundaries to my older sister. She's just very, like, was into Japanese anime, super intelligent, gave herself research projects because school wasn't challenging her enough and, like, reading, um, booked bands when she was in college. I woke up going to high school with a band in our living room sleeping and in their RV outside. And, you know, she was just always, like, you know, challenging a lot of that status quo or essentially judgmental perceptions of how we should interact with people or culture or ways of life or whatever. And so it was just really cool to hear always talking about it that it, I think, also helped me form my own thoughts, my own opinions, and push some of those boundaries. So a lot of the times with me being fortunate to live abroad, to travel, to do more of our creative art field, I, you know, and sometimes, like, always thought, like, my sister would have, would be that person in everything, too. So I was just kind of, like, I don't know, admiring your older sister. Inspiring. Yeah. And inspired by her. That's so cool. And it sounds like you took quite a few leaps of faith while making all those different transitions from like seeing a banner ad <laughs> to applying and then going on an airplane to a new place to interview for a job and mm -hmm. then getting hit up on LinkedIn and moving to Australia, then coming back. So what were the things that were running through your mind? Because most people, I think a lot of creatives are like, I don't know, is this the right decision, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. 
a lot of creatives, we can overthink those things when we see those signs or we see the opportunities or not knowing, like, is this the right opportunity? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I wait? Like, what are some things, Ava and I, what did we call it? The trait? creative toolkit the creative toolbox yes we <laughs> yes. want to know just coined that term yes. about yeah. an hour it just, ago it just oh, nice. launched yes <laughs> we want to know what's in your creative toolbox like what were those tools that you pulled out or discovered or tested mm -hmm. to have the courage to make those changes because mm -hmm. those are big changes yeah for sure um so it, some of this is kind of interesting because it kind of came up during the mike xavier um, success story talk last yes. week. Um, so it's kind of fun to shout out to Mike Xavier. Yeah, super awesome. He's doing great things in the community. Um, I think there's a, f a few factors that kind of go and play in, in that question for me. Uh, one, I'm super, super lucky and fortunate to have a really strong family. Um, that my parents were overly like, su they, and still are so supportive. Even when they had nothing, they made sure me, my sisters never felt that and really encouraged and empowered us to like, take an adventure, explore the world, take risk. Worst case is you come home, you know, mm -hmm. where I'm, I'm fortunate that that is my worst case. I can go home, you know, and my parents would take me back in and like help me out. Um, never. And if that happens, it happens. Right. But like, if that's my worst case, then, you know, there really isn't that much of a risk. Now that hits into, you know, eager or ego of failure or, how other people will think of me or self-doubt and things like that. And I think one of the things that helped me kind of like work past the whole doubt of making that next step mm -hmm. is I had a year that I probably lost like seven people either through suicide, car accident, illness wow. or something. And I was like one after another. So after going kind of through that, I mean, death has been something that I've known since I was little, just because my mom's the youngest of 11, I have 50 plus family members. Um, and then my dad is a smaller family, but even through immediate family and second and third cousins, that's something that I've been introduced to. So it's definitely not new, but getting hit with like that amount of people in such a short amount of time really made me value kind of more life. And the mm -hmm. fact that you never know, really know what's going to happen next that instead of sitting stagnant or stale, or uncertain, like might as well take the risk. So I think that was kind of a big factor for me from college to make that shift and to just leaving, even though I had nothing lined up and I had a great trajectory with Chrome in that future. Moved back to Texas, um, just kind of trying to figure it out and then applying to Las Vegas. Again, like at least I was going back to something I would love and test it and see what would happen. If I didn't like it, then I could come back. And then the same thing with Australia, like that was terrifying. But I just remember my dad being like, you're 27. You literally have no obligation to anything. You're not, you're not married. You don't have kids. You have no debt. Like there's no reason to not do it. If I was you, I'd leave in a heartbeat. So just to have that validation from like, to go from like your parents, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? That's huge. And like the worst thing is the flight cost, which is a lot, you know, and they're like, that's the worst thing that would happen and, and we'll figure out how to get home. So Yeah. So I, so, cool. so I think obviously the encouragement, my, the trauma that for me, that was an inspiring turnaround to like live life. Um, and then just continuously working on myself to a love and approve and continuously tell yourself that you're awesome. Cause that's really hard to do. It's important. And writing that down. Not that I'm 100% yes. 
yay, Jen. Because <laughs> there are times I'm like, what the F are you doing? Uh, but, you know, I often get myself out of it eventually. That's awesome. We were talking prior to recording this podcast, making our notes, and Ava shared a really cool story about when she first heard you describe the vision of Ferguson's, and this is now we're in literally living, working, shopping (laughs) in the midst of your net, like this was your big vision that you've been working on, taking that next leap that you made about two and a half years ago to start Mm -hmm. Ferguson's. Yep. We're recording in it. We live in it. Um, Ava, tell... Because I thought it was a really cool origin story. We're excited for this. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So it was a few months before I started working for Ferguson's. I believe this was the summer. Mm -hmm. And I was spending a lot of time in Vegas. And I think I had sat in on one of your meetings. With uh, my PowerPoint? Yeah, with your PowerPoint. (laughs) And I had no idea. Like, I really just was interested in what was going on. But I really had no idea what was going on. (laughs) But I remember you printing out inspiration and blueprints and taping them on a wall (laughs) and sitting all the Airstream Park residents down. And we were like, this is my idea. What do you think? Like, this is what we're going to do. And just, like, remember that. And it was resonated with me a lot. And now to be sitting in here after that in such a short amount of time it's really cool oh thank yeah. you i remember those times yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, crazy it is actually <laughs> especially with the people and the concepts you know i do have that powerpoint still we can look at it like you know getting other mama dan cromar as a, a restaurant partner and here he is um i know i think coffee shop was on there mm-hmm. you know and we have a coffee shop uh Kelly was on there, Ashley, just different people that were doing stuff that embodied like the community. Um, Yeah. Well, just like, you know, this place to be somewhere that people that want to empower the community or be creative. I remember that PowerPoint too. And I remember looking at it like, damn, that sounds so cool. Yeah. I remember uh, you had it on your computer at Mm -hmm. Public Us. Yes. Yeah. You came in with your red lips. Here I am now. Here she is. (laughs) Living in the PowerPoint. It's happening in real life. So that's what I wanted to dive, well, we wanted to dive deeper into and something that, so Ava and I curating all the content and telling the story of Ferguson's and really bringing people here. Something that we really want to share more about is your vision of like the design, the curation from the I, the marble, uh, like the pebbles in the ground and like the steps and there's so much details. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to hear like, what is this all about? Like, how did you choose this? What was your vision behind it? I just love hearing when you give us little tidbits about yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> specifically, I guess from a design perspective to touch on that part, um, I mean, Ferguson's is such a beautiful building, so to be able to preserve something in Las Vegas is like sometimes rare or hard to do. So to be able to have that ability was really exciting uh, and really important to the development of Ferguson's as a whole. So as you guys know, and if people don't know, the building was built in the 40s, which Mm -hmm. took me a really long time (laughs) to even figure that out uh, because it was called the Franklin's Motel. So if you look up anything Ferguson's, the earliest you can find it is in the 60s, which is when they took it over. So for the longest time, I actually thought it was built by the Ferguson's in the 60s. And then 
that one, oh, the Franklin's family, <laughs> but the Franklin's family who built it and then was able to discover that they built it in the 40s, uh, were able to give us like photos, meet Theta. She was eight years old when her dad built it and lived here. So, so it was cool. really yeah. cool to get a lot of that story and that history, which I think just translated into the overall like good vibes really absorbed and all the energy into the city block because of their family, like love, passion and living here. And then I kind of just kind of relate it to a different type of family building it this time around. It's more like a community family I investing into the it. I just the dots that the, the f- original family lived here and worked here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, wow, just, I never like realized, just like us. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I never realized that. Yeah, so that's I think that's really where cool. like a lot of those vibrations and excitement and energy and positivity like kind of resonates and really is coming in strong. Um, so yeah, so when we went back and started looking at like early designs or what it looked like, there's like little details that we could do to the building to kind of give that back. So on the west side of the building where there's stairs, uh, at some point they had added brick to kind of like. I don't know, change the shape of what the stairs look like that we actually knocked out. So when you look at it, it has like this kind of arch experience to the bottom of the stairs just to bring back that original architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're able to keep the bones of the entire building uh, the same, preserve 20% of the original tile. So all the tile that you see on the roof when we had to redo the roof is on top and all the new shiny paid four <laughs> roof tiles are underneath uh saved all of the original windows um and that are then beautiful they are they're a little tricky to repair <laughs> but we're figuring that out <laughs> but they're amazing wouldn't have done anything different with that um and then other things that we did is the inside was already pretty much gutted when i got to it um but we were able to go in and add moment frames to properly support the building take out all the supporting walls that were left so then we can make this space a lot more flexible. So mm-hmm. it can go from one room to two to three to four back down. So as our tenants grow or as we get new tenants, it makes this space really easy to be flexible and change um, from today to five years from 10 years now um, just because a lot happens and you don't want to really be... I remember you saying too, like the grease traps are all around the property. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's so smart that yeah. you, when you were rehabilitating if you would say restoring the space that you made it so flexible so as it could grow and progress as the community grows and progress yeah so um around the entire you there's a grease trap so in this room that we're sitting in if we want this to be a fun little hot dog restaurant (laughs) tomorrow you can yeah you can tap in there's a lot more work than just that but (laughs) but digging out and putting in a grease trap is no easy task um right very expensive. So being able to take care of all that kind of infrastructure early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to, again, cause like everything was kind of like we needed, it was gone and whatever. So put a lot of that stuff in there. Plumbing's around the U. Um, we actually put electrical down the middle of all the spaces. So if retail with their middle fixtures or just, you know, kind of took some stuff that I know from, you know, just working in retail and merchandising versus, you know, what could needs be if it were to be a restaurant versus just a you know, podcast room. So really just trying to think about the spaces of all the different kind of functions that they could potentially be. Um, just so we're always prepared. And if we wanted to turn it back into a hotel, we could also do that. So it's cool to know that we were able to build a foundation into something and really be flexible as we evolve and grow along with our community. Um, yeah. So, and then all the details on the outside are, oh wait, yeah, we did have a question quick. 
Oh, yeah. Well, we were curious kind of how you took your fashion design, your fashion degree, and kind of applied it here. Because I know you've had kind of the bone structure of the building itself, mm -hmm. but I know you had a lot of free reign with the bathrooms, which <laughs> yeah. are a favorite <laughs> among the community. They're very favorite of the community. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like your inspiration from that and how you applied like your past education and experience with yeah. design. I mean, the way I look at industry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from a design perspective, I mean, I guess, I mean, I think there's a lot of elements that probably ring true across the board, or at least for me, maybe that's someone will debunk that. But um, I think there's a lot that's important to think about materials, um, if that's wood, metal, concrete, whatever it is, colors, textures, height. Um, so a lot of those things invoke, you know, emotion, feeling. Um, so just really being mindful on how we combined materials essentially. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, inside all the spaces, they're really raw, like concrete floors, the original concrete walls, um, vaulted the ceilings as high as we could, um, and left it really exposed. So then it gave individuals creative freedom to come in here and kind of do whatever they want, mm -hmm. but also give that more kind of industrial vibe right. that we just haven't really seen a lot of here in Las Vegas. Um, but when you go outside of the rooms, then you're complemented with a lot of different soft and hard textures. So it's really important to get the grass and make it real. I, so many people are like, it's not going to last. Or why don't you just do turf or fake turf? Um, and totally, so cool. totally understand why doing not real grass makes sense in Las Vegas. <laughs> but the importance of something real and texture, mm -hmm. smell was really important. Um, being able to sit in grass, walk in grass, mm -hmm. um, getting huge. trees in here. Um, we went to a tree farm and actually hand-picked the trees in Temecula. Wanted to make sure they were mature enough so you felt like some of this had been here for a while and it wasn't like fresh, fresh. Um, and that it's like a little tree. And then you also have like huge big rig drag, like yeah. art piece. <laughs> so like, you know, so, and then even thinking about big rig, that that was really important to play with textures because you have this huge metal piece. So right. bringing the softness of the greenery, bringing the softer textures of the, the white and some of the concrete elements around and being very minimal on some of those things was important and not kind of like compete against them and have that like harsh, heavy material too much throughout the space. Um, so when you got the space and was able to now start implementing the vision, it was a motel that was built in the 1940s and then a really big art piece of two semi-trucks upside down. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they were like asphalt <laughs> where people parked around. Yeah. And so. you're like, cool, I'm going to make this into an oasis for the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so I, badass. Yeah. That's so really I think cool. I, and I worked with a lot of different architecture firms, landscaping firms, um, to try to get the right thing out and, and work together. It was a lot to work with different people and different opinions, but it worked out because a lot of, I was able to pull and get the right to where we are today. Um, so I think with the first person's like, you know, creating nooks and crannies and space, space is important. If it's not full, then it feels awkward or right. not enough like action. If it's too tight or you can't see or you feel hidden, like there's so many layers to go into that we would be here all day. But the idea is how do you create a space that feels, you know, welcoming, natural, organic, um, and kind of like you flow through the space and you never get mm -hmm. stuck on one side or the other. So obviously digging it down eight feet 
to create that kind of slant down to now where Mothership is, and we built the stage. But then you have all the pillars that come off and makes it feel and look like an amphitheater. Um, if mm-hmm. you look at that, they slowly peel off as we get lower and lower. So it feels like it was a natural like kind of growth of steps rather than hard cuts of steps all the way up and seating, which is really important. That took us a really long time to figure out because at some point it was like, oh, you're going to have to have a ramp, you have to have a wall. And then that would have kept you on one side and really hard to mm-hmm. step down and go to the other. And so it was really, there's grass on the steps too. There is grass. Really cool. Yes. So that was one of my biggest challenges with a lot of the architects is like, okay, well, we can't have someone get stuck on one side and not make it easy for them to jump down to then go back up to the other side. You know, um, especially when it's a U shape, how do we keep moving them around? And or they're on one side, like, oh, I want to pop up over there. So um, some things worked, some things didn't, but definitely love how you don't get stuck on any side and you really can get to any point in the park at any point that you want to. Um, and then we're able to save a few of like the original lands, like plant life and trees. Some um, villas, right? So yeah, the other bougainvillea, some of the palm trees, a lemon tree, um, and a few other. Was that the lemon tree that we just got the lemons from? No, the lemon tree that is thriving now is not producing lemons. It's right actually right outside the window here. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like crazy. Once it started getting water, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing we were curious about, too, is kind of coming into this project and having to basically know everything there is about construction oh, yeah. and go to these construction It's impossible, meetings. Ava. It's impossible. <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> Very curious how you did that because it really is another language to mm-hmm. try to be mm-hmm. in these meetings and do all yes. these things so it yeah impressive. it was really hard yeah <laughs> i mean yeah, i think you remember my dark days yes i do <laughs> I mean, I was like, a young woman mm-hmm. entrepreneur creative mm-hmm. being in those spaces where yeah. most people probably didn't look like you right yeah no absolutely i was um 98 percent of the time and that might be low <laughs> the only female in the room for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was definitely really hard. And more importantly, there's definitely the female male factor, but having no concept of what is ADA compliant and not, what is this zone for? What is, what there's certain lights you have to put in food and beverage or the pathways or clearance. And so there's a, there's a lot. I'm lucky that I had Dave from DTP who oversees all of construction for DTP uh, to help guide me through that myself of being super anal and wanting to understand as much and everything that I possibly can, which is overwhelming. You are an awesome researcher. Thank you. (laughs) We always get like random links of articles and they're like really good articles (laughs) and like really informative. I'm like, how does she find this stuff on the internet? Like you're really good at research. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think I have very specific questions that I need answered. Yes. And then maybe that's how it helps me find these articles. Yeah, you do. Um, but yeah, I just spent a lot of time listening, listening, listening. Um, I mean, overall, and maybe not for everyone, it's like some of it's pretty like, okay, logically I can understand what you're telling me. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if you, and I ask a lot of questions and I'm not afraid to, which I would encourage anyone for clarification. Like what, can you please run that through me one more time? Let me repeat that. I understand. So then I had my baseline going into everything. Um, but definitely came across a lot of, you don't understand, you don't know, blah, 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 not very fun. And it's like, so you have to, uh, again, I think the last two years, have really invest back into 
believing in myself and being encouraging and nicer and kinder to myself because a lot of times that I felt frustrated or infuriated or talked down to and my gut and what I was saying I knew was right and then it would most of the time show true where in some cases I just would back pedal a little bit because then I was uncertain because I was uncertain I've never been in that situation to then see the outcome so I think just always trusting your gut but mm-hmm. um you just kind of have to put yourself Writing in there down to <laughs> Gotta, your yeah you just have to kind of put yourself in there and figure it out and just it's not easy it definitely was not fun and or easy it was a lot of energy um for me to go through but I've learned so much and now it's like I have a good baseline. I think I'm good. I don't think I need to know a whole lot more. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I know everything. It's just like I think I have a good baseline. You have all that, you need. But now I feel comfortable going forward into another development and being like, whatever you think, because you're the expert and I'm not, it's not worth trying to understand or debunk or battle or whatever. Here are some suggestions. Like a lot of things that happen at Ferguson's, you know, I wouldn't change my involvement. I'm very involved with the GCs where a lot of times it's more like they come to you, the architect and the GCs work a lot together and the owner usually doesn't get that involved. It's like, oh, here's this finish. What do you think about this? Or we're gonna make a small change here. You know, I sat in all those meetings and could hear the reasons why things would work or not work or presenting things and being able to personally challenge that doesn't make sense to me or could we explore it this way or have we thought about it that way? And we're able to get a little bit more outside the box. And in any case you get used to and trust what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of just stamp and repeat, stamp and repeat, stamp and repeat. So a lot of things that happened here, one, I did sacrifice things that I won't in the future. Um, but a lot of the things that happened here would not have happened if I didn't kind of sit and And fight and you didn't speak up or if you didn't, make an effort to learn and mm-hmm. be in the rooms. Yeah. So that's super cool. And why did you do this? <laughs> like, why did you learn a new industry and why did you want to take on such a huge project and live in it and live, breathe, sleep, you know, be in here all the time, every day. Like mm-hmm. what was the why for you? What, what made you want to go on this next adventure? Uh, I think, a few things. One, actually, which I didn't even think of till within the last year, when I was in college in the boutique family that I worked with, they also owned and bought a bunch of land around the campus, just because I think the recession was happening around that time, too. Um, and it was kind of cool. Me and like one other girl also came up with random ideas for the new businesses that they bought. Like, oh, we should do a sushi spot there, like a little Mexican spot there, a retro candy shop there. I went to a retro candy ice cream expo. <laughs> uh, they actually, those came that to exists. fruition. I don't know. I don't know if like the sushi ever did, but the, the little Mexican kind of Chipotle vibe uh, spot happened and the, the candy retro old school, whatever. So it was kind of cool. Honestly, I got so lucky in college to work for this family to work for this progressive, cool boutique where I learned about storytelling is so important. When you're building a brand, connecting with consumers, not sitting back, obviously not being overbearing, but how important merchandising, connecting, talking about brands, curating the right brands, and a safe environment that was inclusive um, and supportive of people that had different values, different beliefs, different feelings, and all that stuff. That And building a family of people that I worked with, um, that passion that can really showcase what you're capable of doing. Um, and alongside they had that collegiate store that I was able to 
make collegiate wear for and put my degree into effect and then see people wearing my designs to how was that first moment when you saw oh, it's so exciting wearing like, your designs. I, designed that. I designed that i made that that's so cool oh it's, it's a whole whole nother thing like it's cool it's amazing i don't think anything kind of beats those moments and even here like seeing people use your sp- the space that you've been thinking of and using it in the way that you thought it's just like what are oh your my favorite gosh. moments when you see people using the space uh, I mean, you guys probably know every time I come to the office, like, <laughs> so there's some people outside. I mean, the other day, those girls sitting on the blanket with their art supplies, reading a book, drawing, hanging out, drinking coffee. Like, those are moments that you, I want people to sit on the yard and hang out. Having families come out here and they're sitting on the coffee, or the ground, having talk, talk, I can't even talk, sitting <laughs> down, having coffee, <laughs> talking, and their kids are running around, and luckily the hill goes up so they can catch their children before they get too far, um, <laughs> but, you know, and just like, I don't know, just how people move throughout the space, you'll find people by the fire upstairs, sitting on the steps, going into the shops, supporting the shops, eating in the restaurants, so um, I know it's pretty cool. It's super cool. What else do we want to ask Jen, Ava? I feel like I have so many questions for you, but it's weird because I feel like I've also spent like every single day of my life with you for the past two and a half years. It's hard to think. And a little origin background story of you and Jen. Yeah. That's Um, right. So I was hanging around the Zappos crew a lot when I was like 10 years old. Yeah, I've known um, Miss Ava when she was 10 embraces. Yeah, embraces. (laughs) uh, And my dad worked for Zappos and They'd all go out to bars that also happened to be restaurants, and I would sit on the restaurant side, and Jen would always come and talk to me about volleyball and hang out with me (laughs) when no one else would. So that was kind of cool. And now, even starting at Ferguson's to see where we are now, it's really crazy. We used to live in two Airstreams right next to each other. We did. We almost shared a cat coop. But Almost Pina's crazy. I would sometimes shut my door too loud. It's like a whole we were also thing. really close to each other. Like super close. For some reason, my airstream was put like, like very <laughs> close to Jen's. Really? Yeah, her door yeah. just barely cleared hitting my trailer. Barely. Do you know yeah. so many people ask me if you guys are sisters? We get that yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. It's so cute. I love it. Mm-hmm. We are. And then you wear Jen's clothes and it's very yeah. cute. Most of my clothes are Jen's clothes. <laughs> It's really funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Ava's amazing for anyone that doesn't know. And to be able to work with you and see you grow has been amazing. Thank so. you so much. And yes. I think it's a, I love that story too, because I think it's very genuine and true to how a lot of people see you, Jen, as like someone who has been a nurturing creatives and who's been encouraging creatives and who has just seen people for who they are and who they will be growing into and for you to take a chance and have someone who's young and like having them in your space and having them on your team and I think it was just you and Ava for a while right it was yeah yeah like that's wild (laughs) it was literally been with me since pretty much the beginning beginning, well she was there for the beginning pitch at least and then from (laughs) there on eventually working but essentially from the beginning which has been really awesome i can't believe there was a time when it was just you and me like i I don't understand like take a moment to pause and just like understand like ferguson's downtown the team was jen and ava at one time yep and it's incredible what you both have been building and talking about and doing Mm -hmm. i think this is a really cool project just to use as an example for creatives out there who have ideas or have dreams but are scared of just start taking those small actions mm-hmm. 
because two years is really actually a very short time to do all of this. So Mm -hmm. what were some things that just even on the hard days or when you felt stressed out, like what were those small little steps that you both were taking to get this all going and build momentum and make it happen? I'm curious. Go first. Want to know? I think uh, just kind of wanting to see the end result of everything is mm-hmm. just such like a strong thing to hold on to. It was like, okay, this it, you know it might be hard right now. It might be going through this, but like think about what this is going to be like, and to really see that now in real life is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as when it was just me and Jen, I never would have thought we'd be a team of what almost nine, eight. There's quite a few of us now. With the There's a few of us with in the office. Yeah, and like, we actually have an office, and it's yeah. just so cool. And like we're actually yeah. that has been magical. Yeah. <laughs> we did not have an office for some time for so two years. <laughs> to see this now, and now now that we're open and it's here now, like what what can we do next? Like mm-hmm. it's just there's always something that we can do for the community, whether it's an event or something as small as a workshop or like now building out another space. Like there's just so many things we can do. So yeah, I agree. Inspiration. I that love it. Really well said. And I would have to, well echo, I'd have to echo that. <gasps> yeah. I, I mean, are just you knowing. For words? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you took all the words. <laughs> one mind. One mind. <laughs> one, one team. One heart. One heart. <laughs> Um, no I agree I mean it definitely didn't the struggles like we were nowhere close to and we're still so far from what I think the ultimate real goals of Ferguson's is Um, and what is that so much that it would Tell be a us. whole other podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Give us a little yeah. No, I mean, I think we've definitely done a really good, a great job actually in um, really genuinely connecting with the community and highlighting the community through our social and marketing platforms, through our, our events, through our residential community, through the curation of the tenants to how people are coming in, using and connecting in the space. Um, and a lot of power behind the, the retail and the small businesses. That's easy for me. That's my background, buying, merchandising, doing pop-ups, doing experience. So market was just an easy low-hanging fruit for me and it was exciting and the only reason it's successful is because we have so many talented people here in Las Vegas that we were able to call on and continue to grow to make that happen so so I think that's like one big check and that's what most people know Ferguson's for is market for for a long time and thought that's all it was without understanding or knowing based on us sharing or not sharing or trying to get our story out that eventually this was coming, which is the building, the stores, the curation. Um, you know, there's a lot more events that we want to own and operate to offer to the community and a lot of partnerships that we want to have, a lot of things that we want to address and bring people together. So that's still like a huge just area alone of gatherings that we yes. still need to tackle into. Um, a big push for us right now, which I'm sure you'll talk about, or you guys can follow on, on any of our social platforms. I can't even talk specifically. I'm sorry, being pregnant is really hard to even talk. <laughs> also, um, too, yeah, I'm I, pregnant. I, I wanted to not do the shout out of that. I was waiting for you to not yeah. naturally say it. Jen is also making a baby <laughs> while launching grand opening of this huge project. So, like, literally, hats off, my friend, because like I can't even imagine one being pregnant and then two having and doing all of this while pregnant. So. I try and make a point to say it 
often, but <laughs> really daily, like shout out to you yeah. for doing all of this. Well, thank you. And making a human. Yeah. Well, thank you. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, our, our, our next big uh, push is uh, music. Yes. So, and that's something like we've definitely have prevalent, uh, you know, in our markets, during our events, always hiring local talent always pushing original music. Yes. Um, but original really, music, we want it. Yeah. So really focusing now on and working even closer with that community to understand how can we best support them to feel comfortable playing their own music, encouraging and inspiring them to write more original music. Um, and then, and then within that, how do we best storytell that and get the community out here to actually come and want to discover, listen, buy their music, take away, talk about their music and help make that shift and change. Um, right now, I think it's kind of there at a very small surface level. Uh, a lot of times it's kind of still that unfortunate background music that's happening where people are here, they're excited, they definitely are acknowledging, they're definitely listening and learning and, and meeting new of our artists. Um, but I, I think it's really important for us to make that shift that we actually are, people are coming here because they're ready to discover that next artist and like come and hear that artist and how can we connect the dots with our, 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 our musicians to help be that driving force. Um, cause there is so much talent. Yeah. Here. And I think stereotypically when artists are living and working in Las Vegas, they are strongly made, <laughs> encouraged if you will, to play covers because it's a lot of like getting gigs on the strip or something like that. And people just want tried and true music mm -hmm. where if you go into other cities, they are encouraging and it's like normal to just play original music. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's something that I really admire that you are really doing for the musicians mm -hmm. here that are like, this is a place to play your original music. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really cool and yeah. important. Thanks. You're yeah. So there's still a lot to do there. Um, but you're very true. And then, um, art is also, you know, it's definitely exists. We have the murals in the alley, um, Clarissa's art installation on top of the rooftop of, um, mothership, um, a new alley project, uh, up the street where we have a 10 by 10 space in there to curate a local artist. Um, and so that's definitely, are out now. Yes, I saw. Yes, go apply. Um, but that is, you know, another layer. So a lot of, I think, one of the goals, I think roughly we're probably on average when we do stuff, 70% local or craft. Um, I would love if we can get to a hundred percent, but really the big goal is to be 90. So anything that we do is 90% local or craft. If it's not local, then it's craft. Um, and then if we bring anything that's outside of those parameters, um, it's driving a huge focus awareness to our Las Vegas creative community. So I love it. And yeah. The LA Times just released three like banger headlines and we are so fortunate to be featured in them. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool that other cities are now acknowledging like, wow, like one of the headlines is one authentic Vegas come to Ferguson's downtown and talking about the unique shopping experiences here that it's not cookie cutter. Mm. Like there's so much intention behind it. And it's cool now that people are picking up on that from other cities that are more established, you know, and that Vegas, we're not copying anybody. We're doing it for ourselves and like try it and true for like what's real for our community, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. It's, it's happening. very exciting. It's happening. So what is 
one thing that you personally would love to create in 2020? Not necessarily Ferguson's, just you personally. Uh, this little tiny human <laughs> inside of me. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, just to think about, I mean, that's happening June. So very excited to meet the little, little nugget, um, that me and Mike call it or a tiny little monster. Cause it's taking over my entire body. <laughs> <laughs> very cute monster. Uh, so it's kind of exciting and that's kind of really, you know, surfacing heavy and high just for me to like create a family, create a space, even just understand my new life schedule and obligations. Um, but you know, um, being just, uh, energized on my own creatively is important. So, um, my friend Jillian and I, um, do help a handful of brands with their, their product development. Um, if that's Eric Fazzoli with his merch line that just broke. Um, Ooh, the, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So the, the hoodie, the shirt, the tote bag that he just put out, um, we helped him source the products. He got it printed and everything for him. Uh, the Mark in the Alley stuff yes. that you guys have been seeing in Love rocking. Um, Mike, who is my boyfriend, um, we have talked a long time about like a very simple, clean t-shirt collection. And so we have been taking steps to like figuring that out. So just fun stuff. I mean, hopefully they all come to fruition. If they don't, it's just fun to go down the creative avenue and talk about it and play with it and kind of let things unfold. What is one thing that really helps you recharge as a creative? Oh, for me, it's to get out of town. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mean that because I need to get out of Vegas and I'm tired of it. It's just I literally live and breathe where we are right now. Um, so for me, I like to go to Red Rock, Mount Charleston. Um, you know, I love, I'm very close to my family. They're in Texas. So I try to go home and spend time with them and my niece and nephew or pop over to LA. Um, I just think that's good for any creative, just change your scenery. And even if that's just going across town to go to a different coffee shop. Um, for me, I love just being in nature. does a huge, huge, huge thing for me. Um, or if it's just going to another city and just seeing how other people design, develop. I mean, it's still completely all work. <laughs> building mindset, which is crazy and kind of sometimes drives Mike crazy because I'm like, ooh, taking photos. I'm like, oh, that's interesting how they did that. He's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> just so exciting. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, we're really excited. We're going to be launching this weekly podcast, yeah. the Rooted In podcast. Big things are coming. Big things are coming. Good job, and ladies. Then, thank you so much. And you could also shop the episode. This is something that we're going to be testing out. So like our mug, our water jug, um, the plant. It's all from local Pam artists. Roll. Pam made our pillow in the background. Jen's so ring. Jen's and ring. A beautiful necklace made by one of our neighbors. Necklace. Loom. Yeah. My bandana. Off our country. We're really repping hard. And that's, we really want to also connect the dots of as we grow, as we share stories of local creatives, we're bringing in the whole community too. So thank you, Jen, for being on the first episode ever of the Rooted in Podcast. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Ava, great job. Thank you, Kelly. Wonderful job. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. All right, signing off. Signing off. Bye bye.